Hey there and welcome back to the Mini Weekend. I'm your host Jack. Let's get into it. First of all, I thought we'd get into some good news first. Uh, So last week I know we briefly talked about the uncertainty of the Big Ten football season uh, and what was going to happen this year. Well, good news. Big Ten football is back. Um, It also looks like they're eyeing the weekend of October 24th for opening weekend, uh, which is a little uh, over a month away, probably about six weeks to be exact. But rightfully so, uh, we're still waiting on schedules for the 14 Big Ten schools. Um, I remember uh, just uh, reading, I want to say, when it first came out on Wednesday, Tuesday, or, or no, Monday or Tuesday, sorry, rather, uh, I thought I remembered seeing somewhere that Thursday was potentially going to be when we saw uh, schedules uh, right before uh, recording this. I checked, so nothing yet. Um, also, uh, one thing to note, I remember back on August 5th, they all voted to have a 10-game conference-only uh, schedule. Uh, I Again, I haven't heard or read anything on that in the articles that they posted about the Big Ten uh, I would imagine we'd still only be seeing conference a conference game schedule, but haven't, like I said, seen or heard anything on number of games yet. So I would imagine we'd be seeing that within the next uh, couple weeks as we look forward to that. So now that we are anxiously awaiting the Big Ten football schedules, the MLB regular season is also winding down. So since the last episodes, uh, the Twins have done okay. They've since went 4-2. They hosted the Cleveland Indians for a three-game series that started back on the 11th and swept them. The first game of that series was actually a pretty low-scoring game, but a good one nonetheless. Uh, Not only did we give the Cleveland starter in that game, Shane Bieber, his first loss of the season, but we also got a strong showing from stud uh, Kenta Maeda as he struck out seven batters and only gave up a pair of walks in seven innings to help us get that 3-1 win. Uh, and for that series, man, the, the Bomba crew came alive as we saw 11 total home runs from the Twins in that three-game series against Cleveland. Buxton, Jeffers, and Gonzalez all hit two apiece. And Buxton and Gonzalez especially came up big in this series, driving in nine of the team's 18 total runs. So huge on that. Um, unfortunately, after that, then we went to go take on the White Sox in Chicago and lost two of the first three. Uh, I believe we're still playing right now, hoping to tie that series up. Uh, in that series, Tuesday was tough as we lost 6-2, uh, and starter Randy Dobnik gave up four of those runs in his 4.1 innings pitched. Um, silver lining, luckily, I always like to look on the good side. He didn't give up any homers, um, but Buxton did stay hot in uh, at the beginning of the series, hitting that solo hitting a solo home run in that game, but it just wasn't enough to get the job done. Um, good news, we quickly pounced back and beat them 5-1 to one yesterday as we got all of our runs courtesy of, yes, you guessed it again, the Bomba Squad. Uh, Rosario had a solar home run to kick off scoring, and then later in the game, both Buxton and Sano hit two run homers. So, needless to say, uh, uh, a lot to be excited about if the Twins can stay hot uh, down the stretch here um, and, you know, just just keep it going. I don't think anybody's expecting them to go on, you know, some kind of 30-game winning streak here um, to end the season and then not lose in the playoffs. But obviously, uh, 
you know, getting uh, pitching together. It seems like, like I said last time, we're getting some good starts. We're getting some good quality innings pitched out of our starties, starters, if nothing else. And Buxton's hot. Hopefully that he continues to stay solid throughout that. Also, as of yes, the end of yesterday, um, the Twins are what uh thirty one and twenty, which was good enough for second in the division, fourth in the American League, and sixth in the entire MLB. And as of like I said, end of the day yesterday. We would have been number four uh, hosting the number five Yankees. Um, so needless to say, especially with how um, quickly we're winding down here, at the conclusion of today, we'll only have 18 games left. So things can happen quickly. I remember last week we were talking and we, were, we weren't much worth in this. I want to say we were sixth, third in the division, sixth in the AL, seventh in the league. And we were at, at the time, number seven, going to Oakland. Um, another thing to note, I did read an article um, for postseason, and it sounds like the MLB is thinking about doing uh, bubble cities uh, for that. Doesn't doesn't sound like they have anything uh, set in stone yet, but I think they're looking at uh, California and Florida for that, so... Stay tuned for that. Yeah, and like I said, um, including today's game, 19 games left at the end of today, 18. So uh, it's uh, it's crunch time. Um, but um, before the next show, the Twins will stay in Chicago for a little bit longer. They will travel north to Wrigley Field for three games with the Cubs and then come home for two games against the Tigers. So that's what's all going to go on before we get back for our next episode. Um, now on to uh, hockey. As for the Wild, other than the trade uh, we just made yesterday, not a whole lot to report on. Um, that trade that happened, the Wild trade away veteran um, Eric Stahl to the Buffalo Sabres straight up for sentiment Marcus Johansson. And uh, truthfully, even though I did like Stahl, I think his veteran presence was really good to have in the locker room. Uh, somebody who's already won a Stanley Cup. It was great. Um... And the fact that Johansson is about to be in his final year of his contract. I overall, I do like this move. Uh, Johansson, uh, I was looking up, is six years younger than Stahl. So regardless of if we keep him or not, we're definitely going to be a younger squad this year. And I think that's going to help us out in the long run. Um, this this game is just getting so much faster. I mean, you look at that series that we lost to uh, the Vancouver Canucks in. And as much as it pains me to admit, they were just a fast team. Not that we weren't fast and not that we weren't keeping up with them. But uh, these young guys are, are, are really fast. So to be able to get guys that can um, keep the pace and, you know, spring those, you know, three-on-twos, the two-on-ones, the breakaways, uh, can do nothing but help. So, yeah, other than that, I know for uh, for hockey is concerned, I know the NHL draft is scheduled for October 6th, so only a couple weeks away here. And I uh, the Wild currently hold the number 9th pick, so we'll see what happens there. Um, also, I know the NHL was looking at December 1st to start the 2021 season, so I would imagine it won't be long until training camps are up and running. Um, I don't know specifics, but I'm sure teams that didn't go to the bubble might get going before the draft. 
Um, but for sure, after the draft um, on the 6th uh, coming up here. Uh, I know as far as the playoffs are concerned, a lot happened since we last spoke. Uh, so since the last episode in the Western Conference Finals, the Dallas Stars dispatched of the Vegas Golden Knights, beating them four games to one to advance to the third ever Stanley Cup appearance. Their first since 2000, and they will try to win their second Stanley Cup um, back uh, in 1999, they won their first as they beat the Buffalo Sabres. Um, even though Dallas won that series four games to one, don't for one second think that it um it wasn't a good uh, series. The first four games between the Golden Knights and the Stars were all close. There they were one goal games, um, or two goals with one being an empty netter. Game five was no different. Uh, within the first minute of the third period, Riley Smith actually gave the Golden Knights a two to nothing lead. However, uh, goals from Jamie Ben um, in that third period, and then one from Joel Kurtavanta, who cashed in on the power play, forced overtime, and then in overtime, a little over three and a half minutes into it, Denis Guravanov scored his ten or sorry his team leading ninth goal on the power play to uh, actually get them to the final so um that's exciting for Dallas I I I gotta say I have a little bit of mixed feelings uh having them representing the Western Conference just with them being um uh, just with them being a uh central division foe of ours um, I think they're a great team. I mean, you look at guys like um, uh, Radulov and, like I said, Gurvanov, um, Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, even Ben Bishop. It's it's a great team. So much, much uh, good luck to them. It is deserved, uh, and hopefully they do well. But also, eh, screw you guys for getting back there before the Wild did. So... Um, but Dallas is still waiting, uh, awaiting their opponent. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning right now have a three to two lead in the series of the best of seven series over the New York Islanders, and they actually play tonight at seven p.m. on NBCSN. So, uh, should be a good game. Uh, I wouldn't say this series has been as close as um. The Golden Knights stars all being, you know, super close games. Um, but it has been a good series nonetheless. Uh, Lightning, obviously, uh, tonight are hoping to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals and get that series going with the Dallas Stars. But if the Islanders have anything to say about it, they will try to force a Game 7, which, if they win tonight, would be on Sunday night. Uh, so that's what we got for uh, hockey this week. As for... Um, basketball um similar to the nhl uh, a lot happening since last week in the playoffs but as far as the timberwolves are concerned no new news uh again similar to the nhl i know the nba uh is looking at december 1 2020 to start their 2021 season as well so even though um we're still waiting for the nba finals to start i would imagine um the teams that weren't invited to the bubble um, would start to be able to get their uh, training camps up and running. Um, 
excuse me, so I know we'll see more there. And as far as the scenarios for what uh, the Wolves are going to do about that number one draft pick, I know we talked about uh, last time. I'm obviously hoping to hear or read something sooner than later. Uh, but the draft is set for Friday, October 16th. Uh, so worst case uh, scenario, we're a month away from seeing what happens. Um, like I said, it would be awesome to see Devin Booker in a union get a big three that's already been solidified in the NBA of three good guys. But at the same time, so much young talent um, that we could be taking. So we'll see what happens. Um, but like I said, uh, a lot... Uh, has been happening playoffs-wise. So, I remember last we spoke, uh, the Miami Heat had stunned the number one-seeded Milwaukee Bucks, who also held the league's best record. They were awaiting their Eastern Conference final opponent. Well, Boston Celtics came out victorious in their Game 7 victory over the Toronto Raptors back on the 11th. The backcourt of... Uh, Lowry and Van Fleet for the Raptors played very well. Um, they combined for a uh, good, solid 36 points, um, 36 points and 10 assists, uh, but it wasn't enough uh, as Marcus, Bart, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum all came up big, and between the three of them combined for 66 points um, and beat the Raptors by five. I believe it was yep right here 92 to 87 so low scoring but um man was was that a good game to watch um however unfortunately for the Celtics on Tuesday uh, they came up just a little short in game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals to the Miami Heat uh they lost 114 to 117 in overtime it was the final um, the four starters for the Celtics finished with at least uh, 17 points. Unfortunately, it just wasn't enough as Jimmy Butler's Heat got a big-time block from Mr. Bam Adebayo on Jason Tatum to secure that Game 1 win. Um, the Heat's three-point shooting game uh, helped them immensely uh, late in that game. They were never down by a ton of points, um, but ultimately it was a three that essentially got them back tied up and then I believe there were some free throws and stuff like that um, that went on in there so that is what went on in the Eastern Conference Finals as for the Western Conference the day after um, the Celtics uh, finished off the Raptors uh, the game five between the Lakers and the Rockets happened and um Yikes. Uh, this one wasn't even close. L.A. Um, has made it, has now made it back. They beat the Houston Rockets four games to one to make their first uh, conference finals appearance since 2010. Um, the Lakers won that game five convincingly, 119 points, uh, 296. Um just an outstanding game, truthfully. Uh, watched all of it uh, with a good buddy of mine. Um, and LeBron James and uh, Anthony Davis, just, there was no stopping them. Uh, they went off for uh, a combined 43 points. Um, all their starters uh, finished with double-digit points. And um, 
LeBron finished with 29-11-7. Anthony Davis with 13-11-4. So uh, just a really good all-around game from the Lakers. Uh, the Houston Rockets, um, aside from James Harden, just, just weren't able to get anything going. James Harden finished with uh, 30 points. Um, but Westbrook was 4 of 13. P.J. Tucker was 3 of 10. They just they weren't hitting their shots. Um, and truthfully... Um, talking with my buddy about this um might get some criticism from those some people out there but um James Harden and Russell Westbrook are very good players let me start off with that um they play a lot of iso ball iso ball has never ever in the history of the NBA won anybody a NBA championship it just it it doesn't work. You can't. You can't. You can't play that way. And when you have one guy, um, and I say one guy because James Harden was good. He played well every single game, and they were forcing Russell Westbrook to shoot, and he just it uh, it didn't come through for them. So uh, R Russell Westbrook, like I said, finished four of thirteen with only ten points. He did have six assists and four rebounds, but it just it wasn't enough for Houston to force a game six. So LA moved on, um, but in even bigger news, um, the couple days later, the Denver Nuggets shocked the world. Uh, they beat the Kawhi Leonard and George Paul led um, Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, I know some people will know I'm not the first one saying. Calling Paul George by George Paul, but that is the one thing I can agree with Skip Bayless on. Um, he's he he's streaky at best. So what happened? Um, the Nuggets beat the Clippers four games to three in um, the East or the Western Conference semifinals. Um, in games five, or let's just start off with this: the Clippers were up three games to one over the Nuggets. In games, what's that? In games five, six, and seven, at some point, excuse me, in the first half, the Clippers had a double-digit lead, but the Nuggets stormed back. They came back and they they made it. They made it happen, um, and they were just they were overall in this series they were the better team. Now, a lot of people might get upset with me about that, but they were truly the better team, which leads me into another point I wanted to make, whether or not you are an NBA or basketball fan. There is something I wanted to address that I actually spoke with my buddy about this last week, but a lot of people need to understand that there are three different kinds of of basketball teams. I mean, not even basketball teams. It applies, eh, it mainly applies to basketball. Um, you can, you can have a very talented team. You can have, you know, you look at, um, you look at teams like uh, Kentucky, Duke, UNC in college basketball. Why do they do so well? Well, first of all, they do so well because they just have a lot of talent. And then there's, uh, great um, teams, like teams that just know how to work together, teams that might not have very much talent on it, but every single f 
one of those 15 players. They know their role and they play it to a T. Now, what a lot of people don't know is, especially in the NBA, yes, you only play five guys. And one player can make all the difference if he's talented enough. But you need more than talent to win in the NBA. You look at not trying to take away from Jamal Murray and um, Nikola Jokic because they're ballers and they proved it against this LA Clipper team. But if you look on paper, there's no way to slice it. or there, There's just no way not to say on paper the Clippers are more talented. What I can tell you though is Denver was the better team. Jamal Murray knows his role. Jokic knows his role. Jeremy Grant knows his role. Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap played some of the best defense I've seen in this playoffs. He didn't do a ton for them on um, um, on the offensive side. I'm looking at the box score right now. He only scored six points in game seven, two of six, you know, one, one assist and three rebounds. He played awesome on defense he was able to get the stops that they needed and I mean just Denver's defensive presence so um was spectacular for them so getting back to my point you can have a team that has a lot of talent and a team that just plays together and then the third kind of team it's rare but it's a team that has talent that also plays together and I want people to understand that I I, I, I want people to understand that just because you have talent on a team doesn't mean that team plays together. It's still an effort. And the guys on those talented teams, that doesn't just guarantee them, oh, they're a good team team. No, they, they still need themselves to hold themselves accountable and get everybody else going. Um, so needless to say, the uh, they, they advanced so... Um, on Friday will be the first game between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. So that will be a very, very interesting series. So, uh, yeah, needless to say, down to the final four in the NBA. With that said, let's get to the Vikings. Um, Wow. <laughs> Uh, for those of you that did watch that Viking game, um, I don't know about you guys. I think the worst part about that game um, was there's not a ton of excuses. I mean, the Green Bay Packers were honestly just, uh, they were just a better team. Um, I know watching that game, there were times where it felt like we were down by 30, 40 points. Um, we were only down by 12 points at the most. We only ended up losing by nine. Um, and again, uh, always looking for the silver linings. Um, there's always, um, you know, I always try to find the good. Um, we scored 34 points in a losing effort. Um, that by no means is a bad feat whatsoever um to put that into a little bit of context context sorry um we only scored as a team last year 34 or more points and as a whole last year we only um averaged 25 points a game so if we can keep on this um pace offensively we're putting ourselves in a good position to win however on the other side of the ball we 
I don't think we played good by any means on defense. I'm looking at all the stats, and it was this was a pretty well-even game. I mean, there are a couple stats that jump out to me. Uh, Green Bay definitely had the better offense. They had a 522 total yards of offense. Um, and uh, we only had 382. The, uh, the only other big number that um, comes out to me is the time of possession. And thinking about it more, that's kind of what um, really pissed me off watching this game. We gave them so many long drives, whether they ended up getting a TD or whether they ended up kicking a field goal. I want to say in the first in in the second quarter and in the third quarter, we gave them like one drive in each of those quarters that was at least seven or eight minutes or longer, and that just that takes the wind out of your sails. You know, you're on you know defense is on the uh, field for a long time and they just they get gassed. Um, so time of possession, you can believe it or not, um, time of possession for the Green Bay Packers. 41 minutes and 16 seconds. Vikings, 18 minutes and 44 seconds. Now, don't get me wrong. We made good timing in the fourth quarter when we were trying to get back into the game. But, I mean, when you're playing the Packers, fourth quarter, that, that's too little too late. Um, you can't. You can't. That's, that's hard to do in general. It's harder to do when you're doing it against a team like Green Bay. So, I was wrong. Um, Green Bay was just a better game that game. Um, I know... I know a lot of the times, you know, you say, hey, you know, uh, penalties were a big thing. Um, Vikings had five penalties. Green Bay had six. And Green Bay had six penalties for 63 yards. We only had five for 20, which was good. But, um, yeah. So, um, that's that's what we got there. And then, um, you know, another thing to think about in, in the Silver Lines. Kirk Cousins did not have a bad game. Aaron Rod, both him and Aaron Rodgers, completions percentage were in the seventies, which was good. Threw for two hundred and fifty nine yards. Um, to put that in context, there were only uh, ten quarterbacks out of the other thirty one starters in the league in Week One that threw for more yards than him, um, and they were good quarterbacks Aaron Rodgers was one of them obviously you know Lamar Jackson Jared Goff uh, Dak Prescott Matt Ryan Philip Rivers just to name a few um but he had um he threw for what he could throw and then another thing too that interception sucked for me that was one of the two plays that um that if you take away those two plays, it's just a completely different game. Uh, that that interception was on him. But another thing to put into context, after, um, excuse me, after week one, there were thirteen other quarterbacks. So damn near half the other quarterbacks in the league threw at least one interception in week one, two, one, two, three, four of them threw at least two or more. Kirk only threw one. Um, before I get too far off topic, um, the other play I believe that set the tone for the rest of the game was I believe um, it was a third that thirty-eight yard pass to Devonte Adams for that touchdown. 
why they didn't have a view, a closer view on where his right foot was when he caught it is beyond me. In my opinion, watching that watching that play back again, it looks like when he catches the ball, yes, he had his left foot in. It looks like to me when he caught that ball, his right foot was up. And the next thing he did with his foot was step on the white. That's what it looked like to me. So, again, we've talked about this a lot. And a lot of people talk. It, it sucks trying to make plays or make calls on the field. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, in real time. Because usually what happens, it's hard to find inconclusive evidence to overturn it. So, I'm sure because of the views, I'm sure they didn't find... You know, I don't blame Devontae Adams or anybody from getting away with a fast one. But when you don't have a great view and when you don't have conclusive evidence to overturn it, it's tough to do. So, you know, I'm sure there's times where, you know, refs are looking at it and saying, hey, you know, it looks like he got over, you, you know, we called it no touchdown. It looks like he got over the line, but we're not sure. Or, hey, you know, Devontae Adams, hey, it looks like he might have been out of bounds, but we don't have inconclusive evidence. It's hard to overturn it if you don't have that inconclusive evidence. So, um, it stinks that way. Um, Delvin Cook, uh, yardage didn't have a great game. Um, we didn't, uh, we didn't, <clears throat> excuse me, um, run a, uh, we didn't run a ton more than we usually do. But then again, you, you know, I look at, um, we had, uh, where is it? We had 22 rushing attempts and we had... Um, 49 total plays, so that puts us as, at 27. So again, it goes back to the time of possession. We didn't have the ball for a lot. And that defense, I feel bad for them. I'm Mike Zimmer is hammering, <laughs> hammering uh, them this week in practice. So um, needless to say, uh, you know, it, it sucked that this happened. Uh, sorry, going back to it. Delvin didn't get very many yards, but he was a beast when we needed him. He got us two touchdowns. Um, and this Kirk Cousins, without Diggs here, this Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen connection, man, uh, that's going to be huge. Thielen only caught six, uh, six passes. Excuse me. Uh, was only targeted eight times, so... Um, that happened uh, for 110 yards, two TDs. So uh, play action is really going to open up this game um, for us going forward, going into week two against uh, Indianapolis and uh, so forth. So, yeah, let's go. A couple updates on uh, season predictions. So uh, I think the first one I said was uh, Justin Jefferson was going to break Randy Moss's um, uh, rookie year um, receptions. Uh, he caught two balls on Sunday. Was only targeted three times. So I can't remember if he dropped it or if it was, uh, or if that was on Kirk. But he caught two balls for twenty six yards. Uh, he didn't get the TD I thought he was going to get. Uh, he didn't lead us in offensive and pat or receiving yards like I thought he did. But caught two passes, only sixty eight away from breaking that record like I thought. <laughs> Second one, uh, Yannick and Hunter combining for 30 sacks. Obviously, defense didn't play great. Um, we didn't get any sacks, so still got 30 more to go between the two of them. 
Um, and lastly, Dalvin Cook's going to play 16 games. He he looked good, uh, and he played for us in his first game. Um, so, yeah, I think overall, week one, it was, uh, it was fun to watch. Um, and... Yeah, it. Um, I'm. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I think uh, now um, would be a good time to look at uh, next week against the Colts. Um, I know in my first week I said we were gonna win this game. I still think we're gonna win this game. Um, I think it's gonna be a completely different game than we saw in the first game. I think. Zimmer is going to bring a lot of pressure on Phillip Rivers for two reasons. One, he threw two picks last week. And two, he's pissed off at this defense for not doing better. And um, truthfully, I want to see him go after it. Uh, so the two, so that leads to one of my two predictions. I think our cornerbacks are, I don't know who, but I think our young quarterback core, uh, cornerback core is going to get two interceptions against Phillip Rivers. Um, I think this second game is going to start with our defense, and I think he's going to bring a lot more pressure to um, take a little bit of the heat off the cornerbacks and the DBs. I think it's going to make life easier for them when you bring more pressure. Um, you force quarterbacks into making um, ill-advised throws and making bad decisions. So I think that's going to help lead us to a victory. And I think this off offense is going to explode I think we're going to do similar to what Green Bay did to us so two predictions like I said defensive side of the ball our young cornerbacks are going to combine for two picks next week and I think we're going to go off as an offense for more than 500 uh, total offensive yards and I think it'll be a good game I don't I think early on Marlon Mack is out for them Philip Rivers did so 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 I think it'll be a close game without I think come third fourth quarter we might be pulling away a little bit I expect us to put up about what we did this week I think it's going to be a 35-42 game in favor of us we'll get there um, I'll call it 42 42-24 um, Vikings win one thing I didn't do last week that I want to um, do going forward, um, I do pick-ems. Uh, I really like doing it. Um, don't know if anybody follows and wants to kind of go up against me. I only got six right that first week, so it was uh, it was rough. But each week I think it'll be fun um, to do what I think is going to be uh, an upset to pick and a sure thing. So I'm going to go with my upset first tonight um i know it's only week one but the cleveland browns are six point favorites over the bengals i like joe burrow i like what he did in week one he's young but i think he gets his first win tonight i think the bengals are going to beat the browns um you know you've been hearing for a year now obj's time in cleveland's probably numbered it probably really is now um, and I just, I, I, I think the Browns are in for another interesting season. And I think Joey B has some more confidence going off last week. Barely lost the game. Wasn't entirely his fault. Um, although he did throw a pick, but that's what I am going with. And then, uh, where'd you go for my sure, for my sure, um, bet. I don't want to make it too obvious. I was going to do Chiefs Chargers. 
Um, but I'm not going to go too obvious. I, where'd it go? Sorry. I am going um, 49ers over the Jets. I think the 49ers didn't have a great showing that first week. Um, but, um, I mean, I shouldn't say great. They just, they got upstaged. But I think because of that, people are knocking them a tad. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a stud. I, I like that defense. And New York, like I said earlier last week too, I think they're going to um, uh, do uh, their thing. Or New York's not going to do their thing. 49ers are going to do their thing, and they're going to take care of the Jets. They're seven-point favorites. I'd be surprised if the 49ers win by less than 10 points. Um, so with that, remember, this podcast is about you, the listeners. If you guys have a topic you want me to address or a question you want me to answer, please reach out on Twitter or by emailing us. Twitter handle is at miniweekend and email is miniweekend at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-N-Y-W-E-E-K-E-N-D at gmail.com. Same spelling for Twitter. And feel free to give us a follow on Twitter as well. Until next week, Minnie.